let's let, let's move on. Um, you know, Jason was mentioned in Man United. Yeah, thanks, Jason. You give me a bit of a headache there. And I guess our next topic is going to look at headaches. I mean, I get a headache now after Monday Night Football because I have given myself this unpublic challenge. I'm going to watch every primetime game this year. I'm going to Prague on Friday night, like straight after work. And I'm staying up to watch the Giants against the Niners on Thursday night. I'm doing it. I don't care. I'll have a headache. But let's talk about players that give coordinators or defensive coordinators headaches. And I will give you boys right now a hundred euro. I will transfer you a hundred euro right now if you can guess who I'm going to pick for this. Mark, go for it. Uh, is it an offensive or a defensive player? It's offensive. Um, give us a give us a position. No, you got you got oh, you got to pick on. it. It's, give for fifty it, euro. Give us a position for fifty euro. It's either a tight end or a wide receiver. How's oh, that? give me a break. Tight end. Um, it's not a tight end. I'm not wide receiver. There's so many of them in the league. Uh, <laughs> uh, Calvin Ridley. No, Jason. Nice guess. Um, Mike Evans. Thankfully, no. Thank God for that, because I didn't <laughs> your engine in, in, in the summer hey, account. rate isn't too bad for you up there. <laughs> uh, all right, you, you sound like a Finn Harps fan there, mate. Thanks for that. Love the Pro Football Ireland podcast, folks, every day of the week. Um, it's funny, because like, I've like I seen you boys talking about just in a recording notes on WhatsApp and the players that you were going to talk about, and I went, you know what, I'm going to go completely, completely off the beat here. I'm going to talk about a guy that's had two games so far this season. 13 passes, 226 yards, and a touchdown. And his quarterback is a rookie. Nico Collins, at the minute, for the Texans, is playing like a WR1, boys. He has shined. Shined through two weeks. Third year in the league. As I said, 20 targets in two games. Caught six for 80 yards in the first week. And you look at how he's played so far. He literally has such a high fantasy rate. And I think he's averaging 21 points a game at the minute. And you think, Mark, if he has a rookie quarterback there, what would he be like if he was actually open with somebody playing in the league for a few years? I've been so impressed with him. And I hope by the time that I finish this podcast, because I don't have time during the day, I hope that nobody in our fantasy league, especially the one that Mark Hogan's got us into that I won at the weekend and there's 50 euro in, I hope nobody's picked him up. He's been really impressive with the Texans. His rookie quarterback's been impressive with the Texans, even though it hasn't went their way so far this season. He looks so good, man, for a guy that's third year in the league and you haven't heard too much from him. Nico Collins Express, am I mad? Am I not? I think they I think the Texans have been really good this year so far. I think that I don't know where I have them right now in the power rankings, but sure you have to be happy that they're after finding these pieces. They've yeah. they've knocked it out of the park with Will Anderson. Obviously the quarterback now, CJ Stroud, is looking fantastic. And then you have Nico Collins like this is like almost the kind of the script that the Lions went with, that they're kind of building slowly, that they start putting pieces in place. Like when they put Amron Ross and Brown in there. So yeah, I, th- I think you have to be thrilled if you're the Texans right now. But uh, the player that I've looked at this week, and I know we've already say, said it, um, so no points for guessing, but Pukunikua has been an absolute revelation for the Rams. But I think there's so many levels to what he's doing that makes him so interesting. Like we, you've obviously seen this week that he's had 35 targets, which is like the most through two games. But it's what's happened with the targets that I think is really interesting. 266 yards scored along with it. No touchdowns, what I'll get to in a second. But if you look at guys, he has blown that number away, that record away. It had been Anquan Bolden with 27 
targets through his first two games and behind that you had guys like in fourth place that was Garrett Wilson and Saquon Barkley so it's like it's no joke the players that are able to command that kind of attention from the head coach early on in the career but one of the things that I kind of looked at is Anquan Bolden on his 27 targets he would have averaged over 10 yards per target whereas Pukunakua is down at about 7.2 yards and it does speak to when I put up a graphic of Pukunakua the other day I see a lot of comments, not specifically on my graphic, but on other, on the NFL and stuff. Fans, not of his, I suppose, are saying about, yeah, but let me see him go deep. He doesn't need to go deep. Like, that won't be Puka Nakua's game. He is a carbon copy of Cooper Cup, which is crazy because in a league, like, that just wanted to get their own version of Cooper Cup, the Cardinals go for your Ronda Moores, etc. years ago. The Rams prioritize not athleticism but football IQ and that's what both Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua had and it's after working out really well and why I think he's going to be a nightmare is because he's a very cerebral player if he were to miss on those kind of like short yard um, runs that he's going on or, or routes that I should say first of all his route tree is amazing clearly that he's able to have them if he misses on those those kind of plays that he's going to be a part of it's going to be deflect the balls and interceptions so it's going to be like the quarterback does not want to go back to him too fast but that's why he's lucky that he has Matthew Stafford but I saw that he's 111 yards after um, contact which is that goes to show that like He's a phenom, like, you know, or sorry, after catch, like those yak yards of 111, that's 266 yards and 111 of them to come with those yak yards, I think is insane. And what I think is the headache here is defensive coordinators are going to need to figure him out fast because imagine what's going to happen when the Rams have two of him on the field, because everyone's saying when Cooper Cup comes back, his targets are going to drop off. But that doesn't mean that the production is going to drop off. That means that people are going to have an absolute nightmare defending this Rams offense under Sean McVay again. Jason, uh, some interesting points with Mark there. Who have you got for your player that can give people a headache? Um, yeah, well, just look, Mark, you say it's just going to be two of them on the field and they'll enjoy that for this season at a minimum. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that affects the Rams strategy long term. Now, Cooper Cup suddenly doesn't seem too young. He's had a few injury issues lately. Big contract, um, you know, they might be looking to cut ties down the line there if they can. But for my player... Um, That'll be intriguing if that happens. Could you imagine <laughs> the guy that won them the Super Bowl literally sitting in the end zone where he caught... Oh my God, don't even start me in that if that happens. Trade value, down trade down. value. Everyone would want a Cooper Cup from their team. They might know how to use him, but... He's uh, 30 years old as well, which is actually... So I'm surprised to hear that. Well, like it's like, the, yeah. I suppose he kind of broke out a bit later or started, made that star status a bit later. So um, I was kind of surprised by his age. Um, but for my player, he's an obvious name, but it's definitely worth talking about with the start to the season that he's had. Uh, Mika Parsons down in Dallas. Uh, didn't think he had much room for improvement after his performance last year, but he's just really come out of the blocks firing this year. He looks more explosive than ever. He's um, looking even better as a straight-up pass rusher. It's easy to forget that he started his career playing more as an off-ball linebacker than rushing the passer, but he's probably 80-90% of plays now. He's he's coming after the quarterback. Mika Parsons has at least two sacks in 28.6 of the games he's played in his career. That's the most in NFL history by 7%. 
And of course, he's still young in his career, but that's just a crazy figure considering he's only been rushing the passer consistently for the last two years. He had three sacks so far this season. Uh, absolutely caused havoc for poor Zach Wilson. Um, and it's not just a pass. You know, he's blame, blowing up run plays as well. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you guys see that strip um, strip fumble that he returned? Yeah. Ended up coming back. But just the athleticism to take the ball away and run for a touchdown um, is unparalleled. Uh, he, he In the offseason, he was taking boxing lessons, apparently, which I only just heard about uh, to work on his quickness. Definitely seems to be paying off. Oh, I think this offseason now, every uh, edge rusher is going to be looking like Rocky Balboa with their training. Um, but when you pair him with Demarcus Lawrence on the other side, definitely a matchup nightmare. They're facing the Cardinals um, in week three now, whose offensive line looks improved on last year, but uh, they struggled against Washington's defensive line in week one, one of the best defensive lines in the, the NFL. And the Cowboys look like one of, if not the best defensive lines right now, uh, spearheaded by Mika Parsons. So, Drew Pensing's in for, in for a headache this week for sure. Interesting choices, boys. I'm liking these topics. It's We're really trying to cover as much as the league. We're going to look at that topic each week as well. I mean, we might make it more team-specific going forward, but I think it's one that we can kind of look at these players that are week to week. I mean, like you said, Micah Parsons against the Cardinals, that's a headache for a specific reason. I know the same for Puka Nakua against these defensive backs with Cincinnati. We know that Lou Anarumo's defense has changed there. They lost Von Bell. They lost... um, I can't think of the other Jesse Bates and they're going mm. with the Dax Hill. So it's there. They are specific matchups that we probably haven't touched on enough today, but going forward, we might do that. We'll have a bit of a London focus also next week on the broadcast. Just before we look at our last topic, a couple of reminders to people, L I N K T R dot E slash NFL Ireland, Jeff Reinbold in Belfast in Derry. Maybe Mickey Hart will be making an appearance. And also in Galway in Cork, um, in Limerick and in Dublin in January and February my wife my family literally hate me they're like how are you going to do that I'm like well, why not we'll have a bit of crack Dublin's about to sell out Cork is going nuts Limerick I've never seen anything like it in my life what is going on some ham down there boys Phoebe is coming to our first birthday party and it's not a party it's just like a night where we're going to be chatting to Phoebe pretty big night we're two, two months away from that it's our first year hard to believe that Pro Football Ireland is one year old in a couple of months been a hell of a year boys um, and it's been a hell of a not one year it's been a hell of a three years for the guy we're going to talk about and I think we're going to give him the uh, going to give him the stage to tonight we're, we're we're going to talk a wee bit Jason I think it was me and you that had the Bears conversation it was either me or me, or me and you or me or Michaela and I feel bad if it was Mark now but um, where the hell do we start boys talking about Justin Fields Never mind talking about the Chicago Bears. Now, on the day of recording this on Wednesday, um, there was things said in the press conference which turned out to be that Justin Fields wasn't trying to be negative towards coaches at all. However, he had to come out, apparently, from the team and confirm that in the locker rooms after practice. It's all good there. I sat down on Tuesday, Tuesday lunchtime and watched about 25 minutes of play from the Bears game last weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I'll say it I don't think Justin Fields wants to be in the NFL anymore I don't think he has the ability to make certain plays 
there was, I counted six, at least six moments in both the second quarter and the third quarter on Sunday that Justin Fields had easily four to five seconds of time to decide what he wanted to do, where he wanted the ball to go, and what decision that he had to make. He took the sack. That was on him on Sunday. There is no other way in saying that whatsoever. He doesn't look good enough for that team. And he has not made any sort of improvement that Bears fans would have been looking to see over the last 12 months, never mind 24-month period. Mark, tell me I'm wrong. I think Justin Fields is done. I have no inclination or want to watch the Bears play the Chiefs on Sunday at all. Never mind the fact it's on TV. But when you're looking at a guy and you're now seeing the national media come out and say that it looks as if he can't read the field, he can't read defences, that's a significant issue. I think back to the play against the Bucks where he ran in a straight line down towards the sideline and he got sacked on one of the worst plays I've seen in a long time. I think it was the Packers actually that game. It just it feels like it's not going to get better and it's going to get worse. And at what point do you pull him out? It's a frustrating topic because I think that the national media often is a group think because I've been banging this drum for a while. He has some fantastic highlight real plays. But if you watched him last year as a Bears fan, you know that he wasn't being a fantastic passer. Now, I think it's absolutely a stretch to say he'd be gone from the NFL. I don't think that's what he would want at all. I think he'd obviously want to develop. But here is a guy that got an MVP vote last year because people were paying attention to those big, massive plays and the runs. But you are dead right. It's that he takes off and runs too much. How did we end up here? The Bears couldn't trade him this offseason because he was the only star that they could legitimately sell tickets based on. Um, I talked about it in Belfast, an absolute perfect situation, a perfect storm fell into their laps when the Panthers came and said, we'll take that first overall pick off you and we'll give you DJ Moore. And then Ryan Paul is obviously able to say, yes, that will give us a chance to really evaluate Justin Fields because instead of going forward with him, and maybe take Will Anderson off the board, or if we go for another rookie quarterback who we have to go through this whole process all over again, and there was no guarantee with a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or an Anthony Richardson, whoever they wanted to take, they said, okay, we can actually get an extra pick or extra high picks. We can get DJ Moore, and we can build this thing next year if we want, and we can be completely confident in what we're doing. And perhaps if Justin feels poor enough will be able to get the best quarterback off the board, Caleb Williams. So it's been an absolute perfect storm for the Chicago Bears. I don't think the front office could have played it any better. The hope obviously going into the season was that Justin Fields was going to make that jump the exact same way that Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen did. But how I've seen it the whole time is he was more like Lamar Jackson, not because of situation, or sorry, not because of style of play, but because of the situation that he didn't have any wide receivers. And you're seeing now just putting him with uh, wide receivers, it, it doesn't make it all perfect. He still has to make the throws, and he's way, 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 way too used to just taking off and run when he gets a chance. Like, Jason, just in terms of going on from what Mark said, I mean, everyone that listens to the podcast, and we, we appreciate it, knows that both of you lads are Cardinals fans. And I wouldn't have thought of any other franchise in the league that would have had such, not negativity, but just, I guess, a lack of expectation going into this year, which is very fair enough in terms of what's happened there. And I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, are the Cardinals a better team than the Bears at the moment? I think the lesson is that low expectations are a good thing in life. I came into the season <laughs> expecting to win absolutely nothing. I'm relaxed. I'm enjoying Sundays regardless of results. 
threw away a 20 point lead against the Giants who cares it was expected um, but Bears yeah they did put a lot of hopes and dreams and hyped themselves up and national media was probably a part of um, blowing up that bubble Mark but I think it's starting to burst now um, for sure he didn't take a step forward in year two and early signs in year three he's just not looking like a better player as a passer if anything he's looking worse even rushing the ball I think the coaches really are trying to fit him and mould him into this um, pocket passer and keep him more restrained and more disciplined. He's only had 6.5 attempts per game this season compared to 11 per game last season and averaging 31 rush yards per game this season compared to 76 Jason, last season. Jason, I've got breaking news for you, mate. mate. And we're, we're recording this on Wednesday night. It's to do with the Go Bears, ahead. don't worry. Um, Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams has resigned this morning. Oof. Defensive coordinator. Now, I know that's not in relation to Justin Fields. It's the same team. What like, is going that, on? Chase Claypool had his... There? Chase Claypool didn't want to play football last week. And now you the DC saying there must be... It must be awful behind the scenes. And you Sorry, ever, Jason. Go for um, it. Yeah, the, the offensive coordinator Luke Getze has his own uh, question marks as well because I don't think... Look, Justin Fields is struggling massively. It's clear... Uh, Stat I saw from Benjamin Solak on Twitter, a good follow there. Uh, 37% of his passes are behind the line of scrimmage, which is the most in the league. He's completing just 50% of those, which is the worst in the league. So he's attempting the most and completing the least of these short uh, screen passes. The offensive coordinator isn't doing a lot to help him out. Great breakdown on I'm doing all the shout outs here. JT O'Sullivan's The QB School YouTube channel, uh, great great content on that channel. He had an hour and a half long breakdown of Justin Fields' performance against the Buccaneers. So a lot of what I'm going to say here is completely taken from his, uh, his research. But they're asking him to do a lot. There's some read, uh, run pass option plays where his eyes are everywhere. He doesn't know where to look. He's trying to make three reads at once where it just needs to be simplified for him. There's concepts being wrong that simply aren't working. Uh, routes too close together. You've got tight end like Cole Komet, who's not doing a lot to help him. He's slow out of his breaks. Ask him to run routes and do things that he shouldn't be doing. Um, some bad blocking. All of this isn't helping Justin Fields out. But all that said, I completely agree with you guys. He's just not at the races himself. I think the, the majority of the blame has to go on Justin Fields himself. Because he's, his mechanics look off, he has accuracy issues. Some of the sacks he's taken, Michael, as you said, they're four, five, six seconds into plays where you can clearly see wide receivers open down the field. There's a couple of plays against the Buccaneers where one example was DJ Moore on a deep in route, clapping his hands to try and show Justin Fields that he's open. Chase Claypool was clapping his hands on a stick route to show that he was open. Rashawn Johnson at that wheel route that has been uh, screenshot all over Twitter was doing jumping jacks in the end zone. When your receivers are doing stuff like that uh, to try and get your quarterback's attention, it's not a good sign because they don't have faith in the quarterback himself to, to go through his reads and be able to make uh, the proper throws. He's a year three quarterback. You'd expect him to take a leap by now and he's shown absolutely no signs of that. So I don't, I don't know how long he's going to uh, continue being a starter. 130 and a half yards passing per game last year was the worst in 14 years. 
and you're telling me that it's getting worse. Like you can't proceed with that. But I mean, what does his future hold? Because he could clearly work as a running back, right? I mean, that's the offensive thing to say. You're not allowed to say, oh, a quarterback can become a running back. Mm. But like he is super athletic. And it's like, can you fill him in at somewhere else? You know, imagine they do get a quarterback. I, I, I don't think it works with the Bears, but it's kind of something like someone, someone ever wants to destroy the two quarterback system. I mean, maybe there'd be a chance there. Uh, I, I don't know how it works out. I actually wonder would the Bears, now that they have this offense, ever tried for Kyler Murray if the Cardinals were offloading him because they'd be able to get him cheap and then, you know, plug him in and play. But then it comes down to money as well. But the Bears do have plenty of money. We know that much. But uh, yeah, I suppose it's a story for the uh, for another day because it's like we can't keep on talking about Chicago Bears. They're just an awful team to watch. Well, there 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 is things that we could talk about, but I think for the podcast reasons, for legal reasons, there there is stuff that's going to come out over the next couple of days. <laughs> legal reasons. I'll talk. I'll talk about it off camera, man. I'll talk about it off podcast. There's stuff going on, and the internet, as we speak, is blowing up. It is blowing up. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Maybe Field was right about the coaching comments earlier on. He was just being light about it, boys. Um, very quickly from each of you, I want to get not not a bold prediction, but just g- give us give us a different bullet point in this weekend. Something we haven't talked about. I'll go first. Um, this team right here is gonna get absolutely mauled on Sunday. The Denver Broncos for our audio listeners this is a hat that Christ. Michael just put on. Christ, give Russell Wilson the hat. And give Sean Payton the hat and just let them sit down. They are not like they're going to go 0 and 3, right? Now that's that's the start of it. But what happened last week? Because I was recording Monday morning football with Michaela and Connor, and I had seen the play like when I was sitting recording, going, Oh my God, they got it. And they got it. Oh my God, they scored a touchdown. Two points. Here we go. I've never seen anything like it in my life, boys. And more so, they just don't look great at all. I think they go 0 and 3, and I think. There won't be any immediate repercussions, but it's very, very disappointing. Very disappointing. Mark, give us your hashtag bullet point for the week. What do you reckon? Bears beating I, the Niners? Or sorry, the, the, the Giants beating the Niners? Fairs in the football? What do you think? Do you know what I think? And I can't find who... I, can you someone tell me who the Titans are playing this week? Because I almost need it to... Um... I can tell you, my friend. The Titans are playing the Browns, and they're playing the Browns in... For, in Cleveland. They win that and we are going into London week and we will talk about this next week because I'm so confident. We will go into London week with the best slate of games, the best teams coming over that we ever had because if the Titans were to do that, I think we could have six top 16 power ranking teams coming to London, which would be absolutely insane. I'd love it. Jason, just to kick us off finally, mate, um, do you think your Cardinals will put up a 20-bag against the Cowboys in the first first half on Sunday, or what, what's going to happen there? No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, that Cowboys defense is uh, looking very strong. They probably weren't being ranked high enough. They're flying up the power rankings. Mark, I think you're on that. Um, but number I think one that, this week. Best thing that is to watch number one. There you go. The man himself has, uh, <laughs> has claimed it. So, um, yeah, I think the... I think the Dallas Cowboys are, are really the, the powerhouse of the NFL right now. I might tune into Red Zone instead of watching that Cardinals game in too much detail, to be honest. Lovely. Lovely. Well, uh, I've enjoyed chatting ball with you, Jason. I want to thank you publicly just for coming on here because I know you're obviously post-surgery. It's not easy coming on chatting. So we we like, you know we, we missed you last week and it's great having you on again, Mark. Looking forward to seeing you uh, 
next weekend in London town, baby. It's going to be good. We'll we'll talk about football before that. For people listening, folks, if you're listening for the first time, please do like, share, subscribe. Tell your mates, tell your ma, tell your granny, tell your granddad, tell everybody at mass. Tell everyone. All you got to do is sub, hit like, follow. Big thanks to the team at 888 Sports, also the official betting partner of the NFL for Ireland and the UK. This has been Pro Football Ireland. Hope you enjoy week three and enjoy some great games. And we'll be back Sunday night, so, uh, Monday Monday morning football, which will drop at 6am on Monday morning. For now, it's all good fun.